Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Well, good day. Good evening. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever time it is by you. And you're tuned into the Line Drive Radio. Welcome aboard. This Friday edition, Post World Series, November 5th, 2021. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, holding down the LDR board here in the great state of New York on Long Island. And as always, it's time to bring in my LDR teammate, Mr. Tam Bamford, from the great city of Chicago. And as always, Tam, I got to ask you, what's going down in Chi Town? Oh, boy. Well, uh, other than Bears quarterbacks, um, <laughs> the, the temperature has plummeted this week. Uh, as we were talking on the pre-show, Kumbaya uh, dropped the kid off at high school this morning. It was 33 on the car uh, thermometer this morning. So uh, we've, re- we've reached bonfire and hoodie season here in Chicago. So excited for that. Uh, but that's what usually what happens once the World Series is put to bed. Sometimes yes, before, you know, now that we're finishing this thing in November. But, uh, but yeah, we went pretty much uh, fall was about 36 hours long in Chicago this year. <laughs> Here we are ready for winter. But no, it's uh, look, it was yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the weather changing once baseball gets done because it when the colder it gets, the faster it gets cold. Uh, those of us that are baseball nerds realize that we are 100 and I believe 46 days away from baseball beginning anew. Yeah, man, it's good stuff, man. Uh, you know, we're we're getting this show in before the Christmas music starts. I haven't heard a track yet, so I'm I'm, I'm happy about that. So I'm you're trying. Mariah Carey free in your life right now? Yeah, so far so good, man. So far so good. I mean, I think that's probably the the good thing about the terrestrial radio is not as popular now as, uh, you know, satellite. So you get to kind of concentrate on what you want to listen to and, and not accidentally uh, run into anything. And I haven't been into any retail stores yet uh, to, uh, you know, get hit by the Muzak. Of the, uh... Yeah, you know, uh, I think every retail establishment that I've been in so far was still on whatever mix of Kygo that they usually go with instead of... <laughs> cranking it over to Christmas yet, but I'm sure that as we get closer to Thanksgiving, they'll be rocking around the Christmas tree far earlier than we want them to. Look at you, man. Nice, nice stuff. Well, I'll tell you what, who my, uh, the Houston Astros might not get anything for Christmas this year. And, uh, it's definitely cold. It's getting cold down there in, in Houston. So, um, you know, we're going to get into the recap of, uh, this, uh, 2021 world series. And all that good stuff. Can't believe it's over. It's, uh, the, the long season is done. And, and like you mentioned about the weather changing, uh, it is, you know, you get into, you know, uh, past the holidays and then, you know, pitches and catchers. And, and the great thing about baseball coming back is the spring and the summer, which is favorites of ours here, too, as well on LDR. Can't wait for the summer to come back already. But anyway, before we do that, let's um let's talk about a guy who's uh, surprisingly hanging it up at the... Ripe old age of 34. You know, I'm, I'm watching this here, man. I'm going to be 52 in a couple of weeks. And this kid was born the year I graduated high school in 1987. And that is Ooh. the wonderful, the amazing, the very talented Mr. Buster Posey. One of the greatest baseball names of all time is hanging Absolutely. up his cleats. Let's talk about Buster before we get into the world. Well, and we joke, Paul. Uh, one of the things, if you follow me on Twitter... 
at the one tab if you haven't uh, if you're missing out still. Um, one of the things that I'm relentlessly tweeting is hashtag retire28, which is a reference to the Chicago Blackhawks putting Steve Larmer's number in the rafters where it should have been 30 years ago. However, 28 is indeed retiring, uh, as that is Buster Posey's number, uh, with the San Francisco Giants, the only franchise whose jersey uh, he has ever worn uh, since he was the fifth overall pick in the 28, uh, 2008 uh, draft out of the Florida State University. Um, yeah, look, uh, congratulations to Buster Posey on being inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in the class of 2027. Because uh, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that that's inevitable. I mean, this yeah. this guy was a regular season MVP, rookie of the year. Uh, has a gold glove. I think defensively he did not win as many of those as he maybe could have because of Yadier Molina. He won a batting title behind the plate, uh, four silver sluggers, seven-time All-Star, three World Series championships. His resume is uh, it's Yankee-like, right? Like this, this is basically the West Coast catcher version of what Derek Jeter was for the Yankees. He won the so, Fielding Bible Award, which I've never heard of. What is that, yeah. Deb? The Fielding Bible is is like, hey, we don't have a lot of faith in the Gold Glove Awards being legit anymore, so we're going to give out Fielding Bible Awards, and those are based purely on the analytic community's sentiment and not the baseball writers weighing in on who they like, which... We've joked a little bit in the past over the course of this year on Line Drive Radio about the Gold Glove Awards and that, like, last year, Danny Mendick of the White Sox was a finalist in the American League at second base, and I think he played 27 games at second base. Like, it's pretty clear-cut at most positions who at least number one should be, if not one and two. And then you get somebody thrown on there just for craps and grins, like, hey, we'll throw this guy a bone because we thought he looked good in the one game that we watched. Um so the Gold Glove Award, I think it's still prestigious. The players still value it. But a lot of times you look at the finalists and scratch your head a little bit. And, um, you know, we can talk in future weeks uh, about some of the award finalists next week. I believe on Monday on MLB Network, they have the announcement show where they'll announce the finalists for the MVP, the Cy Young, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the gold glove finalists have been announced. Um, but you look at some of them and you're just like, mm, really that guy gold glove. <laughs> well, I guess somebody had to be third. So yeah, I mean, but you look at Buster Posey's career and cracked in at 22 with the giants. Um, obviously he had the catastrophic leg injury, uh, and was able to come back from that last year. He opted out of the season because of, COVID uh, had a young kid at home and decided that he was going to step away, which completely respect came back this year at 34 years old. And people like, what are we going to get out of this guy? Is he going to be able to catch? Is is he going to be, you know, the first baseman? Well, Brandon Belt is there. They've got a really good young prospect, Joey Bart, coming behind the plate. How are those two going to coexist? Figuring it's probably going to be like 50-50, maybe 60-40 Bart getting some run. And all he does is go out and drop a 140 OPS plus with an 889 OPS uh, with 18 home runs behind the plate and 113 games. And he was every bit of the Buster Posey that we expected him to be. Yeah. And this is a dude that in thir- almost 1,400 career games is going to walk away with a 302 batting average as a catcher, which truthfully anyone walking away with a three no, a batting career batting average north of 300 feels like a dinosaur at this point. Like we're thrilled if a guy's hitting 250, we care more about on base percentage. Well, Posey's on base percentage this year was 390 and his career on base was 372 again as a catcher and his OPS plus for his career is 129 as a catcher. This guy was a premier defensive backstop. He was a premier offensive backstop. He was a leader. Uh, he did everything that you would want a guy to do representing a franchise. And you look at, again, I, I feel like he's the West Coast catching version of Derek Jeter. The Giants were a dynasty. They won, they alternated years. They went yep. 2010, 12, and 14. 
And this is a dude that cranked it out every single year and performed. And he's going to walk away with five home runs, 25 runs batted in, uh, and a, you know, a, a 345 slugging, which is down from his career numbers. But in the postseason, you're going to run into some good teams. But he was the goods. And he's walking away. So huge tip of the cap to Buster Posey, who, uh, again, will undoubtedly, in my mind, be the first player who is on and accepted and gets your check mark on the ballot for the Hall of Fame class of 2027. So kudos to Buster Posey, an all-time great San Francisco Giant. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and I, I always get a trip, uh, you know, you look back, you know, he came in, he was called up on September 11th, 2009, and he played first base because another great baseball name and a great guy was Benji Molina uh, was catching for the uh, the Giants. And then uh, he was traded in 2010, and that's when uh, Buster took over, man. And there you go. I mean, 2009, and he's a, he's a World Series champ in 2010. And boom, he's off and running. And, you know, you, you're talking about all his accolades here, too. I mean, just amazing stuff, man. What, what a career. And good on him. Well, and, and, he, and here's the fun thing. Like, so his full name, legally, is Gerald Dempsey Posey. Oh, don't Buster tell worked that. out pretty well for He'll him. always be Buster. But <laughs> he'll always be Buster. But you wonder, like, if he'd played for the Braves, would the fans – uh, at Mets games, be chanting Gerald like they were chanting Larry at Chipper Jones. <laughs> it's entirely possible. Maybe, maybe if Dodger fans had that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, been I remember that. chanting for Dempsey, thinking that it was their former catcher. Uh, you know, they, you know, why are they paying homage to Rick Dempsey right now? No, it's Buster's <laughs> middle name. Um, you know, maybe they would have gotten in his head and they would have, you know, jumped to the top of this heap a little bit quicker, but. No, look, he's one of the greatest to ever come out of Florida State. He's one of the – you look at that resume, and it's one of the best of any catcher. Uh, and he did it. Ironically, you know, we bring up the one gold glove. It's ironic that he took the job away from a Molina, and Benji's younger brother uh, kept him from having more gold gloves in his career. But I think if you look back since really 2010, if you look at the last decade in Major League Baseball, there are probably – Two catchers, certainly in the National League, who you look at and say, you know what, that's a guy that I would want catching my pitching staff. And it's Buster Posey and Yadier Molina. And then the other, the third guy that I would put in that group, when you talk about elite backstops since really maybe 2005, that I would throw into that group is Joe Maurer, who, uh, you know, I've seen some conversation on Twitter about him. He was the number one overall pick in 2001 as a catcher. Ironically, turned down a scholarship to play football at Florida State. Uh, so because he was, uh, he's a Minnesota native who was drafted by his hometown team and opted to stay home. Uh, and he hung it up, uh, you know, a couple years ago here. Uh, officially hung him up in 2018. So he'll be on the ballot well before Buster Posey. But I think when you look at premier, the dominant offensive catchers of the last 20 years. I think Maurer and Posey are the names that come to mind immediately. Uh, and I think both of those guys will end up in Cooperstown. We'll see if Maurer gets in on the first bout. If I had a vote, he would. I, I would definitely cast a vote for Joe Maurer. Um, but, yeah, Buster Posey will absolutely, in my mind, go in on his first ballot, and he should because he's represented the game well. He's conducted himself incredibly well. And his numbers speak for themselves. And again, you talk about guys with 300 career averages, few and far between at that at this point. But Maurer and Posey both walked away playing most of their career behind the plate with batting averages, not on base, batting averages north of 300, which is unheard of for someone that has the physical wear and tear that you do when you're playing behind the plate. So uh, tip of the cap to Buster Posey. Absolutely. Hashtag retire 28. I'm with you, man. Good stuff. Uh, and I believe that the Giants will, unlike the Chicago Blackhawks, put 28, uh, put a flag up with 28 on it. I, I don't think anyone will ever wear that number again in the Bay. Yeah, no, I mean, why not? I mean, I mean, there it is. It's all there. 
I mean, just uh, and just uh, just think how close they were getting back there again, and that would have been some swan song for them if they had a one this year. Yep. Um, but they got close. But uh, I'm with you, man. Tip of the hat, best of Buster Posey. Um, you know, one last thing on this. Um, I remember um, the Giants. Uh, you know, in those, you know, the Yankees win in 2009, and then you know, the, like I said, the, the Giants started alternating championships there. Uh, starting in 2010, and uh, one of the biggest San Francisco Giant fans in the world worked on sports radio here in New York, and that's uh, Chris Mad Dog Russo uh, on WFAN. And then in you're 2000- not going to start just uncontrollably screaming at me, are you? No, I'm not. No, but it's it's <laughs> like this. You know, there's a, you know he goes to Sirius XM Radio in 2008 after Mike and the Mad Dog obviously you know split, and he gets his own show and everything. But that you know we were just uh, back then. I was a big you know, listener of the station, obviously in the in the you know in the, geez, the mid nineties until they they kind of stopped, and then they you know they got a little sickening for me. But anyway, no, I mean Chris was just just a devout, avid San Francisco Giant fan. So here we are in New York, and we would always hear about the Giants. You know, whether we liked it or not, if we were listening to FAM, we were going to hear about the Giants. And then, like I said, so I always have that 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 thing with the Giants and and those teams there uh, winning. Uh, the well, of course, Chris Russo was a longtime New York Giants season ticket holder. So, <laughs> really? I'm not saying he's a dinosaur, but I'm amazed that he dodged the meteor. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You listen to him these days at all? Uh, I, I, I can actually hear him if the car next to me has his there you show go. on. <laughs> uh, with the volume down at like five. No, he look, it, Mad Dog. He he's he's done a wonderful job carving out a really unique spot in the sports landscape, and I think he does a great job on MLB Network. They simulcast. They do the the TV side with the radio side, and you know he get he gets the best guests, and he, he does a, a great job of picking their brains. Yep. Uh, and you know he'll I. I've just never been a fan of Chris Russo answering his own question without asking the question and then saying, tell me your thoughts. Yeah. That's pretty good. Like, then, literally, he, tells, he tells you what you're thinking. Talk about it. Yeah. Talk about that for a minute. And then, you know, goes and sips his tea while yeah. somebody's well, like, well, you just said well, that. Well, well, he's a big tennis fan too. Oh, yeah. It never ends in a question mark is tell me about it. All right, Chris. And uh, a lot, but look, uh, can't fight the man. He's he's, he's getting bread. Maybe yeah, not the man. Jeez, thing the he made in his career, but <laughs> well, he's getting the bag for him. All power to the mad dog, man. All good stuff. Uh, terrible. Uh, him and uh, Francesa commentating on hockey. Uh, so they were definitely not the hockey guys at all. But when, anyway, when 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 the franchise is awake for the entire show, uh, you know, if he's not dozing off mid show, <laughs> and you got to wake him up. Panarin, let's go, Mike. <laughs> Talk to me. Oh, Timmy Panarin, I think he's great. Good wrist shot. Oh man, first time call, oh, long time great. listener, oh. Larry from Levittown. Yeah. What do you got for us? <laughs> oh right. man, you know, look, New York, New York is, has the most. Chicago's got a unique radio scene. Philly's got a unique radio scene, but mm-hmm. there's nothing like New York sports talk radio. Well, especially when you have, you know, you, you, you joke about the Bears. I mean, the Jets and the oh. Giants. I oh, mean, I'm sure it's, it's burning this horrible. morning at Jets' performance last night. Dear oh. Lord. I mean, come on. The Mets haven't won since 86. Giants, uh, the Jets haven't won since uh, 69. Dear Lord. Yeah. I well, mean, I'm just glad that last night that's where they went with the pregame show for the Jets and the Colts. They went to Broadway Joe beating the Colts in the Super Bowl because since then, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Radio silence from the Jets. Like, hey, are we really going to admit that Mark Gastineau played here? No. Uh, maybe maybe we'll go Boomer Esiason or Vinny Testaverde. we got to have something to lean on. Let's show the Richard Todd to A.J. Dewey highlights, everybody. <laughs> Brutal. Brutal. Hey, well, uh, we got the Yankees here. We're okay. The Giants didn't win too long ago. Jeez, the Rangers, 94. Icelanders, 83. Dear Lord. I mean, for a big and city, who was on baby, the ice? I mean, and who was on the ice when the Rangers won the Cup the last time? Steve, Steve Lomer, Lomer, baby. There it is. All It all comes back to 28. <laughs> Steve Lomer. 
All right, buddy, let's talk some World Series. That's what we're here about. I mean, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we do have other shows. You can hang out with me and Tam. We'll talk about Here comes a tangent, kids. Welcome to Friday. (laughs) Exactly. Hey, look. Hey, you know what? Somebody's having a parade today. Yeah. So maybe maybe those in uh, podcast listener land will just assume that, like, Braves fans today, uh, we got after it a little early. (laughs) It's all good. Yes, the big parade today for the world champion, Atlanta Braves, and before we start, ladies and gentlemen, uh, me and Tab had our predictions before the series started, and um, I said the Astros in six, but ladies and gentlemen, you got to listen to this, uh, Swami, right here, there he is. Multiple, and, and there is, people want to talk to the Astros about legacy, they want to talk to the Astros about doing it clean. People want to talk to the Atlanta Braves about, hey, it's your first time here. What's the atmosphere like? They're fun questions. The questions aren't fun for the Astros, and they're going to get old. And we'll see if they get salty. And we'll, we'll see how much of a chip they have on their shoulder. And I think the series starting in Houston benefits them, but when they get on the road, it ain't going to be pretty, and it ain't going to be nice. And you're right. There's a lot of people in this league and in this country that are not on the Astros bandwagon at all. And they've been able to play with the weight thus far. I will be, you know, I hope Dusty gets one. I really do. But I just think that right now with this team as it's put together, there's a lot of weight on these guys. And I think that that weight's going to take a toll. And so for those reasons, Braves in six. Woo! Ozzie Albies is your MVP. Look at that, folks. I love watching that kid play. <laughs> well, at least I got the games and the team right. Uh, yeah, buddy. Congratulations on that. Did you put any money on that? Uh, I should have. Oh, damn. Uh, if, if the kid had... had you know, remembered what his login was for the for the big fan duel. I would have grabbed it. Um, yeah, look, you know, I'll, we'll, I'll go ahead and pat myself on the back. I got the Braves in six. It was, uh, it, but let's, uh, you know, I, we spent, and for those who have been with us this year, those who jumped on at some point, if you listened to the show last week, when we started talking about the World Series, uh, our preview show, we talked about, one of the big reasons, you know, before, you know, that lovely soundbite, pat myself on the back moment. Um, one of the things that I pointed to was I thought that the Bra- at the end of the day, the Braves pitching had more oomph behind it than what Houston was coming into the series with. And game one, the Braves go out and start putting up big numbers early in the game. Charlie Morton looks great. Shut it down. And I'm thinking, man, I look pretty smart here because Morton looks like he's going to go six in game one. They're going to steal one on the road like they need to do. Here we go. And then Charlie Morton takes a line drive off the foot in the second inning, gets two more guys out, sits down for a few minutes, comes back out, strikes out a guy to start the inning, and then he's like, you know what, something doesn't feel right. Comes out and you find out he's got a broken leg from the Yuli Gurriel uh, shot back off of his leg, which he, you know, kick save into beauty, ended up pretty much right in Freeman's glove on the bag. But there's a dude that threw 16 more pitches and got three more outs on a broken leg. Incredible. Uh, and that, that, you know, bluntly, I thought that that would change everything because when you look at the way the series is rolling out, both teams were looking at, we got three guys that we're hoping can start a game and give us four innings. And then we'll see what happens and we're going to roll to the bullpen. And... Uh, ultimately, you know, Ian Anderson was able to be as good as they needed him to be. And Max Fried's performance in game six was marvelous. That first inning and, was incredible. Yeah. And I mean, he, he gets his ankle stepped on and you're like, crap, here comes another injury. That one could have been catastrophic. Uh, and he gets out of it and then he just shuts it down. Uh, and you know, it was pretty cool though, because, you know, we, we talked about the old story here a few times this year, but he was high school teammates with two other guys who were opening day starters for their teams this year, Lucas Giolito, the White Sox and Jack Flaherty of the St. Louis Cardinals and Flaherty and Giolito were there to support their high school teammate for game six, which I thought was pretty freaking cool. Like if you're a baseball person you're a baseball player where would you rather be in the world series and if you played with the dude in high school and you've known him for whatever 15 years and he's starting the biggest game of his life and he goes out and balls out like that and you're there to support him and celebrate it it was awesome so yeah, yeah so you know here's here's why we get paid the big bucks to do this show you prognosticate and it comes true but 
but yeah, it, it was it was a great World Series. I think a lot of the stuff that we talked about ended up playing out. It was great to watch. There was great drama, great theater, and at the end of the day, the last team in is the last team standing. The uh, the Atlanta Braves got in by the skin of their teeth with 88 wins, winning the National League least. They did and it the now hockey they way. Are, they did it the hockey way, man. Yeah. Back you, you just, the playoffs. Just, you just got to get in, man. You just got to get in. That's it. And look at this. You know what, though? But, but look, Paul, here, let's spend a minute, though. We talked about this and the job that the Braves GM, Alex Anthopoulos, who, by the way, couldn't be physically in person, for game six because he tested positive for COVID. So talk about a kick in the, you know, where, but uh, let's talk for a minute about the job that he did at the deadline, because when the deadline came and went, uh, you and I looked at the moves that Atlanta made and we're like, what the hell are they doing? No, they're in third place in the division. They're, they're not in a good division. They've got no Acuna. And they went out and got Eddie Rosario, who was having a really mediocre year in Cleveland. We're like, okay, that fills a hole. They went and got Adam Duvall, who was having an okay year. Uh, they went and got Jorge Soler, whose batting average was closer to my high school body weight than it is now with Kansas City. And we're like, what are they? What are they thinking? And all of them are in the lineup. Yeah, last out. And and Rosario's the NLCS MVP, and Soler is the World Series MVP. Two guys that got picked up mid-season. Crazy. Uh, you know, Jock Peterson, let's not forget him, the fourth outfielder that they picked up. He was the first one a couple weeks before the other three. Uh, you know, these guys combined, eat, all four of the outfielders that they picked up hit three home runs in the postseason. Eddie Rosario obviously, you know, led the team. He finished tied with Freddie Freeman for the team lead with 11 runs betted in. Duvall drove in 10. Peterson drove in 9. Soler drove in 6. So you've got... 12 home runs and 26 runs batted in in 16 games from four guys who didn't start the year on your roster. That's pretty freaking impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so full marks to Alex Anthopoulos for knowing his team, knowing what to do and when to do it, and pulling the right triggers uh, on guys that he saw something in more than what their you know the back of the baseball card was telling him at that point in the year. Um, so, you know, full marks to Alex Anthopoulos for, for making the right moves. And, you know, we talk about the career and the legacy of Buster Posey. I'm thrilled that Freddie Freeman got a ring. And I think them winning it in the way that they did with him playing such a big part of it. I don't – obviously, we've talked about this before the season. Freddie Freeman's contract is up. He gets to go test the free agent waters. Um I cannot fathom that he leaves Atlanta. I really can't. And if there was ever a player that would take a little bit less off the top to stay with the team that he's the only team that he's ever played for, I would imagine and that who, Freeman's the guy. If they can keep the bulk of this lineup together, honestly have another shot next year. Again, they won the World Series with a duct tape together outfield. They're going Christian Pache is an is an elite defensive center fielder. Andrew Jones, Braves legend, maybe the bet some statisticians would argue the greatest defensive center fielder since Willie Mays. Um, the eye test tells me it was him and Ken Griffey Jr. in the 90s and everybody else can pound sand. Uh, Andrew Jones told me personally that he believes, because he works with some of the, the young guys in the outfield for the Braves during spring training and in the offseason, he believes Pache is better at his age than Andrew Jones was defensively in wow. center field, which is about as high a praise as you can possibly get. That's like Yadier being like, this kid's the goods. So they're going to have Pache more ready to be the everyday center fielder next year. And they're getting Raul Acuna back, who, like, let's not forget that, like, probably one of the three best talents in the game, period, has been out since, what, June? So they're going to get the arguably the best player on the roster back yep. next year to defend a championship, which is better than any offseason signing that they could possibly make. They're going to put Ronald Acuna back into the lineup. Good luck, National League East. Maybe that's why nobody wants to be the president or GM of the Mets. <laughs> no, nothing to do with that division's only hope because they don't want to go against is Philly. That's it. That division's yeah. only hope is Philly. 
to give them a challenge next year. That's it. Yeah, don't sleep. Don't sleep on the Marlins. But, I mean, you look at this Braves team. Ozzy Albies is signed for dirt cheap for the next five years. Acuna's got a – he's making good money. But the Braves got incredible deals done with Albies and Acuna. So, from a cost perspective, they know what two of their better players are going to make for the next, whatever, five, six years. So, they're playing with house money. And then they got Dansby Swanson, you know, born and oh, raised Dan, in, yeah. in, in, in Georgia, you know, watching his post-game interview talking about, like, growing up a Braves fan, winning it with the Braves, which I will forever be flabbergasted that he was the number one overall pick by the Arizona Diamondbacks. And they traded the guy that they drafted number one overall, like in his first professional season. And his dad's name is Cooter. So you got Cooter and Dansby. Yeah. Rolling with Buster. <laughs> Here we are. You know, you know, it's just some good old boys. Never just meaning no harm. Never meaning no harm. <laughs> Bravo, Mr. Pamper. Oh, man, that's so funny. Yeah, no, but I man, love Dancy, yeah. man. It's uh, that's a great story too, man. It really is, homegrown guy, and uh, and you got Jock Peterson out there again, like won it last year with the Braves. You know, again, hockey reference. Pat Maroon wins it wherever he goes. Jock wins it last year with the Dodgers. He goes to Atlanta this year. Is he like the hired gun, good luck charm? Yeah, definitely. And he's man. out there post game. <laughs> again, like I tweeted, now on the bucket list, partying with Jock Peterson. He's out there on the field post game. Everybody's doing the photos with their family and crying and doing the whole thing. He's out there with his pearl necklace on, smoking a Padron anniversary cigar with a big <laughs> glass of like red it was wine. Seven feet long. That thing. <laughs> so he he's crushing like a thirty five dollars cigar with a big glass of red wine with a pearl necklace on, like the opera starts in twenty seven no, minutes. It's awesome. That's the way so, to do it, man. Absolutely. You know, you, I mean, Look, all class, all class. Yeah, Wing but you know, on the spikes. You know, I like this a little bit. You know, uh, even you know, just to kind of flip back again to to um, you know how Brady and the Bucks celebrated, and I, you know, you can look at Ovechkin there a couple of years starting the massive you know drink fest after the championship in in DC. Oh. But even the you know Tampa Bay, after, I mean, the the you could call them the pandemic or the COVID Stanley Cup championships, and even the Dodgers too. I mean. You know, they, they they it's so hard. What I'm getting to now with baseball, it it's so hard to win this damn thing. You know, yeah. Take well, and, it out. And, How, enjoy it, man. You know, I think that's fantastic. You know, yeah, and and you know, it's a great point because the Braves really since about 1991 have been, even with the three that the Buster Posey led Giants won. The Braves have been the gold standard in the National League. They've been the New England Patriots. And they've been to the playoffs practically every single year. And the last time that they won it all was 99. Or so you look at every, or 96 rather. So 95. I'll get the year right at some point. 95. Um, but last time you look at this this stretch here. They went to the playoffs 16 times between winning World Series. And, you know, we've talked about Theo Epstein, you know, said when he took over the Cubs, you just have to get in and then anything can happen. Mm -hmm. And when we started the postseason, we, we were ripping the Braves and we were ripping that division pretty much since the trade deadline. Like, you know, who wants to win it? Because it looks like everybody, like nobody wants to win the National League least, and the Braves emerge, and you just have to get in and get the right guys hot. And the crazy thing is, like, look, Ozzy Albies for the entire postseason led the Braves with 12 runs scored. He did not hit a home run, uh, you know, did not, I think, play up to the level that a lot of people would have liked, but he still got it done. He played exceptional defense. But he's a young guy. Acuna's a young guy. A lot of people thought that the Braves were kind of getting to that point where they were entering the window, but it's like their window's been open for 30 years. And they get in every year. But it, you're right. It speaks to how hard it is to win the World Series that they made the playoffs 16 times with a different cast of characters, whether it was Maddox and Glavin and Smoltz or Chipper and now with Freddie. And they finally get to the mountaintop with 
some might argue the worst team of those 17 playoff appearances since their last win. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's crazy to think that, you know, that when you look at people on paper, it doesn't matter. And then the flip side of that argument, you know, and to kind of move over for a second to the Houston Astro side of the ledger, seven years ago, if we hit the Wayback Machine for a moment, the darlings of the burn it down and rebuild evolution of front office practices in Major League Baseball were the Chicago Cubs and the Houston Astros. And there's now the infamous Sports Illustrated cover of George Springer five years before they won the World Series or whatever it was in 2017 saying, meet your 2017 World Series champion Astros, talking about the idea of burn it down, get high picks, don't spend money, and then go for it. Mm-hmm. Slam the window open, put the pedal down the floor for five years, and win as much as you possibly can in the five years. And the Cubs and Astros, it appeared, were doing that to perfection. Cubs in 16, Astros in 17, young teams. The expectation was at some point you were going to have a knockdown, drag out Cubs Astros World Series with these two analytically driven, coming out of the rebuild. The ugly years turn into the greatest generation for each franchise. And they both won one. And the Cubs, obviously, at the deadline this year, starting in the winter when John Lester and Schwarber uh, were allowed to leave, and then at the deadline with Rizzo and Baez and Bryant all being traded out the door, um, that core is gone for the Cubs. And now we have you know, a potential identity crisis coming in Houston. George Springer left after last year, uh, and now Carlos Correa is hitting the open market. And when you look at the comments from Freddie Freeman, obviously he's elated. He's on cloud nine. This is the greatest thing that ever happened to the guy, and God bless him for doing that. But the comments from Carlos Correa, I think, were a lot more subdued. And they were, you know, he admitted, which is amazing that someone could be that self-aware and, comfortable enough in himself to go there after losing the World Series. But he acknowledged that when he went to the plate, I think it was the eighth inning, that as he dug in, he had the realization that this could be the last time that he ever steps into the box as a member of the Astros in Houston. And that it was heavy. And, you know, Springer leaves, if Correa leaves... Altuve signed for a while. You know, Gurriel is in his late 30s, hasn't played as much baseball as some of these other guys just because of the realities of him trying to get out of Cuba. Uh, And Bregman will be there for a while too. But you're starting to see the Astros turn it over as well. And if Correa leaves, you're now looking at a team that is really, you know, it'll, it'll be, you know, Altuve's team until he hangs it up, I think. He's... He's the captain, and he's the guy that everybody looks to. Uh, I was going to say down to, but that would have been a, a you know a vertically challenged joke here. But um, but you're looking at a team that's now going to be led by Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez, and you're going to start seeing the Astros turning over their roster just like the Cubs did, and it's the Braves who built this team really. They acquired Dansby Swanson, but again, it was his first year of pro ball. But a lot of these guys are homegrown. Mm-hmm. And the the thought process was that we're going to home grow a championship and we're going to acquire guys in the minors and develop them, which they did with Freed. They stole him from San Diego. Uh, augment what you've got internally with guys that you bring in from elsewhere, like a Charlie Morton, but Austin Riley homegrown. Ozzy Albee's homegrown, Freddie Freeman homegrown. The thought process was that a homegrown Acuna would be in the outfield. Theoretically, a homegrown Pache would be in center. And injuries and circumstances just led them to winning the World Series with, again, a cast of characters that were brought in from all over the place. But they've got, look, Darno wants to leave behind the plate. He had a great postseason. Uh, they've got William Contreras, the younger brother of Wilson Contreras, ready to go, who played well while Darno was out injured for a big chunk of the year. Um, but now the Braves are kind of, the, they're stepping into that spot where they've now got this core locked up together and Freeman's the elder statesman and they can look forward to having something into the future. But I think Freeman and Correa are really on opposite ends of the spectrum here. 
Freeman's the older guy who's looking for probably the last multi-year deal of his career. And I don't think he will ever go anywhere because he loves Atlanta. He grew up in Atlanta and that's home for him and his family. And for Correa, he's just getting ready to have a kid and he's hitting free agency for the first time. This is when you go out and get the bag. And he just watched his teammate from the World Baseball Classic, Francisco Lindor, get $341 million. And we talked this year that the initial offer that Correa got from the Astros was a massive lowball. That was before Lindor signed, and now he can say, well, if Lindor's worth that, let's go. The market's set. Yep. Uh, and we'll see if Houston wants to pony up. But, I mean, it, it, it's a tough spot. And, you know, but you have to give them some kudos. They did this without Justin Verlander being available. Young pitching, Zach Greinke did what he could, but, you know, of course, going two for three, you know, he's one of those guys that would love to see the DH not in the National League because he's actually a valuable asset. Nice pinch hit single the other night. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, you know, you look at the directions that these teams are going and you wonder how much more the window will be open in Houston as their guys, Altuve gets older, Correa potentially leaves Gurriel into his late 30s, and then you look at Atlanta with the homegrown, and, and they're kind of now that next wave of the window slamming open, but the difference is Atlanta never sucked for four years to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been in the playoffs almost every freaking year for 20 years, and now they've got a ring to show for it. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. And yeah, I think, um, you know, we talk about this Astros team, and you talk about legacy, and and obviously the uh, the controversy with the 2017 win and the cheating and everything else. And it, it looks like, you know, you wonder. Look, I'm uh, look as a Yankees fan, and, and probably a lot of baseball fans out there, and Dodgers and all that other stuff. Not a lot of sympathy, but you know, obviously, uh, tip of the hat to Dusty Baker, great season, and everything else. But it looks like the Astros might just simply kind of fade away into this. Into the distance now, and the Astros have been a lot of talk for a lot of the wrong reasons over the last few years. This was a great comeback for them. It was a great season. They get to the World Series. You got to give them credit for that, whether you love them or hate them. Uh, but now that they've lost, and man, you know, like I said, that that roster and getting shut out seven nothing in in their own ballpark. Um, Which, by the way, did you notice that the last time there was a shutout? in a clinching game in the World Series. Also happened to be in Houston when the White Sox beat him in 2005, the World Series that ESPN forgets, conveniently. <laughs> uh, but no, that, I thought that was crazy that the last time there was a shutout in a World Series clinching game was Game 4 in 2005, which was also at Minute Maid Park at the expense of the Astros. Yes. But instead of standing at second base, Craig Biggio was sitting four rows behind the plate, visible <laughs> for the entire game. <laughs> Yeah, and, I mean, and, if, and the look on his face was about the same as it was in 05. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, if the Astros do get back and, uh, you know, if you're the team that's playing them from the American, uh, I mean, from the National League and, you know, it's game six and you're back in Minute Maid Park, huh, chances are pretty good you're going to probably win that game. Uh, no doubt about it. But, yeah, I'm just kind of saying, like, I think the Astros are probably going to fade into the um, the woodwork here a little bit, you know. Obviously, today, just talking about this World Series, and, and but, you know, looking forward, and hopefully the uh, MLB can get through the CBA negotiations that are coming up. I mean, it's been a great season. Um, so many ups and downs here. I mean, so many positive stuff uh, against the uh, some of the negative stuff that happened off-field uh, for MLB this uh, season. And um, I, I just think, you know, w- w- is Dusty going to come back at 72? I don't know if he's said anything yet. Um, but I just think them as an organization now with all this stuff and key guys, and you talk about, you know, cores on, on teams and if it gets broken up here, I mean, um, I just think they're going to fade away a little bit. That's just my, my opinion. I mean, with regards to, you know, what kind of lineup they come out of spring training, uh, up against the rest of the division going forward, maybe they'll prove me wrong, but I think, this is this might be one of those teams that's just going to kind of fade out, and they'll be known as that that 2017 team with the asterisk next to it. Yeah, well, and so you know the the first thing it sounds like the the Astros plan on bringing Dusty back for another year, which is great. Give him another run at it, um, and I think that he's the again we talked about this before the series. He was the perfect guy in the perfect place for that team because he's calm, cool, collected, and has zero you-know-whats to give. And if you want to talk about something that he wasn't involved in, he doesn't care, and he's 
great at deflecting. Um, but you're right. Like the Astros right now, if Correa leaves, that's a huge hole at a premium position, which will not be cheap to replace. If they want to go, you know, second tier hunting and, you know, look at maybe bringing in like a Marcus Simeon and moving him back to shortstop, maybe that's a thing. Um, but Correa is going to get the bag, and whether or not that's in Houston, we'll see. But the the reality is that they look around that division, and you have a highly motivated Angels organization that will, I would comfortably say, have the American League MVP on their roster, not Mike Trout, but Shohei Otani. Uh, they didn't have Trout for most of this year. He'll be back next year. They didn't have Anthony Rendon for most of this year. He'll be back. Um, they've got some young pieces that we've talked about throughout this year, like Marsh and Adele that are making an impact. Uh, so they've got a young team that's coming. And if they want to spend some money on pitching around Shohei, they could be dangerous, but the team out West that's going to give them fits for years is the Mariners. And they crept up in the rear view yeah. mirror and they hung around way longer than people thought they would with a young team. And they, their best pieces aren't even there yet. You know, Jared Kelnick is still figuring it out. They're going to add Julio Rodriguez, I would guess, next year, which means they'll have an outfield, most of which is still finishing puberty, and they've got Superstar written all over them. Um, you know, th- they're going to need a new third baseman. They did not renew with Kyle Seeger. Um, but, you know, maybe that's a landing spot for a guy like Chris Bryant on a team that wants to go for it. Uh, Jerry DePoto is is well known for being one of the great wheeler dealer trigger happy GMs in all of sports. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he literally has joked on the air like I made a trade because nothing was really going on, and I figured you people on the radio needed something to talk about, so I made a deal. Um, so if I'm an Astros fan, I'm looking at this, and one, I'm praying that they figure out how to keep Correa because I really think he's a stud. I think he's the kind of guy that you want to have be the face of your organization. I want him to set up roots in Houston and be the guy for another eight to 10 years. But if they don't renew with Correa and somebody like the Yankees makes him an offer, he can't refuse. You're really looking at two of the most important parts of that 2017 championship team and the two subsequent world series being gone. And they're looking at a division that's on the come around them. And that's, that's going to present some really tough realities for them to deal with. So yeah, I mean this this is a this is an incredibly important off season, probably the most important off season, uh, maybe in the history of the Houston Astros because like the Cubs, you build to get to that four to six year window where you're going for it, and then where the rubber hits the pavement is when the contracts come due on that group. What where are you, and what do you do now? And for the Cubs, where were they? not getting it done. So what do they do now? You fire sale and you, you, you pivot and you look to, you know, accelerating a rebuild from what they had. The Astros wrote it out. They got back to the world series. It didn't work out. And now they're at a place for the second consecutive postseason after losing George Springer last year, where they could potentially lose Correa. And as the other core guys, Gurriel, Altuve, Bregman continue to age how have they been able to support and supplement internally so they don't have to go out and spend massive amounts of money to replace guys? And we will see because I would, I would argue that Correa, again, they got a wonderful team-friendly deal done long-term with Altuve a couple years ago, but I, I would argue Correa is the most important guy on that team for them to retain. And if he walks, it's going to be interesting to see how they – repackage things to stay in it going forward because you don't want to fall off and they haven't fallen off. Like, I think we talked about this at the deadline. It's almost like the Cubs did Jed Hoyer in the front office a favor by sucking as bad as they did for a month because they, they gave them the ability to look the fan base in the eye and say, look, it's clearly not working. So we're going to try to accelerate the rebuild and, and move now. Uh, obviously, you know, they shot themselves in the foot a little bit. No Plexico Burris references here. When they traded you Darvish to the Padres, they kind of waved a white flag uh, before the season even started. But, you know, when you when you tank for a month, you make the decision to move on a little bit easier. For the Astros, it's a hell of a lot harder because they were two games from winning the World Series. 
And then it's a real, like, now what do we do? How do you let Correa go after he gets you two rings? I mean, Carlos Correa was one of the better players, if not the best player on three World Series teams. But they only won one of them. And now he's going into free agency in his late 20s in an area where he's going to be looking for a Lindor contract. And they offered him about a third of the gross money that Francisco Lindor got. Hmm. And that probably didn't leave a, a really flavorful have feeling for uh, Correa when he got that offer. So we shall see. Correa will headline again, as we've talked about, one of the deepest free agent classes at a position ever at shortstop, even with Lindor off the books. You got Corey Seager, you got Javier Baez, Marcus Simeon, Correa. You're going to have teams that are looking for shortstops, Trevor Story, uh, that are looking for shortstops that want to spend big money, that will spend big money because these guys are all worth it. And then it's just, you know, if you lose a guy, what, how do you make up for it? And I think the Houston Astros are at a spot where, you know, they had a little bit of a hodgepodge in center field at times this year with Springer being gone, and now they're looking at, uh, you know, the possibility of filling in a shortstop. Now, Kyle Tucker, look, he's a great guy to build around for the next generation, but the, the Astros are looking at a, a really tough offseason because I believe this is their transition year into what, Houston Astros 2.0 is from that initial rebuild core. And what does that look like and how do they build around it? Again, they're building around Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez now, not Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman and Carlos Correa. So we'll see what that looks like. But, you know, the Braves, again, you look at what they've done, they remix it on an annual basis, and somehow it seems like you're listening to the chop in every single postseason, and now they've got a ring. So second one since they moved to Atlanta, first time in the World Series since 99, first time winning it since 95. And, uh, and now they, the big decision they have to make is Freddie Freeman, but I think that the cards are stacked up a lot more favorably for them to keep Freddie Freeman than they are for Houston to keep Carlos Correa. I hear you, man. Good stuff there. And, and you know, with Houston, too, um, you said Seattle, but Oakland's going to make some noise, and the Angels, too, man. Well, Show the, the hey, baby. Oh, o- Oakland fascinates me. Look, they, their manager, Dave Melvin, one of the most respected dudes in the world, leaves to go to San Diego. So now the Athletics don't have their manager. They're in this nowhere land with where they're going to play games. Are they moving to Vegas? Are they going to bully the city of Oakland or the greater Bay Area and if, allowing them to build a stadium? Are they going to sucker them into giving them public funding for it? Um, and then, the, you know, the, the question becomes, like, is it we look at what Seattle's doing and where they're going. We look at the Angels and what they're doing, and they feel like they're close, but then they make the deal, you know, to trade Jesus Lazardo, and you're like, ah, you, you know, we really thought that he was going to be one of those ro- big-time rotation pieces. A.J. Puck has really worked out of the bullpen. And you wonder, like, is does there come a time – when the Oakland A's and the and Billy Bean, who you know the Mets were interested in, and he had no interest in the Mets, um, does they, does there come a time that they say, you know what, now is the time for us to trade Matt Chapman and and Olson and while they're in their primes and start retooling and, and bring in some fresh blood because they're kind of they're at a point right now where they haven't gotten over the hump. And those guys are getting a little bit older, and that's just kind of the M.O. in in Oakland. You get to a certain point, and then the guys go, and you trade them before they hit free agency so that you you retool and bring in the pieces that you need. So, you know, I'm I'm fascinated to see what Oakland looks like this winter because with Melvin leaving, you feel like, okay, we've got to go find a new manager now. Do we go, you know, look at the open market and what some teams would do for having maybe you know five or six more good years of Chapman and Olsen, are those guys that we would entertain possibly moving on from? Teams that need a third baseman, teams that need a first baseman. I'm looking you know directly at the Chicago Cubs. What would they be willing to give up to bring one of those guys in if the Cubs decide that they're going to push back in after burning it down? Um, you know, it's it's interesting. It, it really is because again. Anaheim's kind of, they've spent the, a lot of big money. They just need to fill in some of the gaps, and they could be a, a really dangerous team. 
Seattle's coming. Houston's at the top of the American League right now. What they look like next year on opening day, TBD. And Oakland's just kind of there. And it's, you know, in, in the worst thing that you could possibly be in professional sports is the runner-up every year. And if they feel like they're kind of stuck in second place in that division. And you look and you project it forward, and you're like, they might be stuck in second place for the next six years. Yep. And the way that they've always worked is if we're going to be in second place anyway, why would we spend $140 million when we could do it for 65 It's hard to fault them. But, you know, again, they're looking at a new home and a new manager. So lots of off-field, non-player-specific changes coming to the Oakland Athletics that, uh, you know, will be very, very interesting to keep an eye on this offseason. But, look, Line Drive Radio is not shutting down for the winter. We're not going to wait until March to talk to you guys again. We're going to dig in on the hot stove. We're going to, you know, beat our heads against the wall praying for a collective bargaining agreement so that all these people like Nick Castellanos who are opting out and hitting free agency and all those shortstops as they go out and get the bag and they decide where they're going to sign. We're going to talk about it. Uh, we're going to wax poetic and bitch and moan and whine about our teams not getting the guys that we want or need. Uh, and we look forward to engaging throughout the winter. But what we've got right now is a parade in Atlanta today for a team that unconventionally won a World Series. And it feels like every year we're talking about a team that did it in a way that you didn't expect. And the Atlanta Braves uh, finish the 2021 baseball year on top. So good for them. Congrats to Atlanta, the franchise, the whole team. And it was. It was a great baseball season. And the offseason is not going to be dull. Like I said, Tab called it the uh, CBA, all that other stuff coming up and um, free agency. Hey, look, we're going to be here for it. Uh, we hope this uh, great MLB season that we uh, debuted at LDR with, with you guys out there, um, will be just as good, if not better, next season. And like Tab said, we're not going anywhere, so it's going to be a, a lot of fun. So, look, uh, thanks, everybody, listening to us up to this point. Like I said, we'll be back sooner than later. There's no doubt about it. Um, we'll follow the news here and we'll swing things back on. We got still a lot to talk about. Tab, man, been great, man. World Series, baby, playoffs, wild card. We did it all, man. Yeah, and for once in my life, I was right. I mean, I'm actually going to have to play that clip back for my wife so that she knows that it did happen one time. But uh, yeah, it, it, wonderful season. I loved working with you, talking baseball all year, Paulie, and look forward to a fun winter. And as we look look ahead, you know, find some heated batting cages and keep swinging. Absolutely. And you taught me a lot, my friend. Uh, it was a pleasure to uh, to work with you. Get me back into baseball in, in a big way. And, again, I, I can't uh, – you took me to school, brother, and I appreciate it. And I uh, look forward to continue this with you as we go forward into uh, next year. So, look, buddy, before we uh, lock the gates here – Turn out the lights and turn the sprinklers on. You can't leave them on too long because it's cold outside now, Tab. Can't get frost on the greens. Yeah. Say goodbye to the folks as always, Tab. And uh, we'll roll out. And I'll just say again, thanks to everybody for listening. Follow us everywhere at Long Drive Radio. Put on the pearls. Get yourself a glass of red wine. Be your inner Jock Peterson. Have a wonderful start to your November. We'll be back to talk hot stove. But in the meantime, find a heated batting cage. Keep the glove warm keep the bat warm keep loving the game because hopefully fingers crossed we've got plenty to talk about in march next year with a new cba absolutely thanks again everybody enjoy stay safe and healthy until we come back and it'll be soon line drive radio is out Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. 
From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.